It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you on Tuesday the 16th of October and a very different Tuesday the 16th of October to what it was. This is the first anniversary of Storm Ophelia and we will remember the panic in the lead up to Storm Ophelia and then everybody at home watching these swirling winds and rain and uh, and just thankful that we all managed to survive it. So certainly what, what a difference a year can make. Now John Paul is taking your calls this morning at 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I would be particularly interested in your thoughts and views on the first of the TV presidential debates last night. This was the one that was moderated by uh, Claire Byrne. I knew going into it I was going to be disappointed because of course as we know only four of the six candidates turned up Michael D. Higgins made the decision Uh, he said he had presidential work to do so he wasn't going and of course Sean Gallagher had clearly stated that he would only take part in debates where Michael D. Higgins and all of the candidates were taking part so he uh, refused to to turn up and as expected that's what the debate kicked off with with all of the four candidates giving out and um, disappointed that the other two uh, hadn't turned up. Now, your views on what happened last night, it was, I to me, I felt it was particularly dull. I was waiting for something to happen and it, they didn't seem to debate very much. It was just everybody giving their views. There wasn't a lot of interaction between the four candidates and even then when they tried to interact one of them uh, or one one or two sort of said well you know um, I didn't interrupt when you were speaking I'm thinking oh this is a debate come on would, would somebody please start debating so it was a little bit uh, disappointing I suppose what you know what, what did we find out after last night the most talked about thing certainly on Twitter last night well one of the most talked about things was Leonie Rieda the Sinn Féin candidate saying that she would wear a poppy because we know the when the on the day that the inauguration day for the president is going going to coincide with the armistice day where we will be remembering world war at one and um, asked would she wear a pop well all the candidates were asked would they wear a poppy at the inauguration because of the significance of the day it was and uh, she said she would now she did say she wouldn't be leaping up and down with joy about it but she did say she would now I was wondering when she was saying it how that was going to go down with some grassroots support uh, with 
within Sinn Féin. So certainly from what the candidates had to say, that was probably the most talked about thing last night. And then the only sort of event that livened up the whole debate was the heckler. But they cut fairly quickly from the heckler to a commercial break, which I think disappointed a lot of people. And just in case you didn't know who the heckler was, uh, the heckler is a a lady by the name of um, Norma Burke, but she goes under the name of uh, Bunty Twishington McFluff. And she was the lady who tried to get a presidential uh, nomination uh, and was unsuccessful. She has given an, in, an interview to the independent.ie it's online this morning and uh, because it was when Peter Casey was speaking that she decided to interrupt and Norma Burke or Bunty is known she's a satirical presidential nominee now she also she made headlines last month this is when she was trying to get a nomination she was going around to the councils trying to get a nomination and she suggested that Dublin uh, to Dublin City Council that the government should burn dead people for fossil fuels and and also she wanted to turn the Auris into a luxury hotel, hunting lodge and uh, spa. But anyway, she turned up last night and I knew when she went, I, I, I didn't realise it was her heckling at the time. I just knew it was a female heckling. But I knew that Peter Casey knew exactly who she was and actually wanted to take her on. Um, and he sort of said something, well, if you allow people like that in, you know, what can you kind of expect? I think was what, what he was intimating. I was thinking, who the hell is this? Because seemingly she did turn up in the pink suit and blonde wig that she's very clearly identified. Uh, and, you know, as soon as you would see her dressed up like that, you'd know it's Bunty she's playing. And uh, she stood up in the middle of Peter Casey when Peter Casey was uh, speaking and said she'd had enough of this drivel and that Bunty was robbed and then she was escorted off the uh, premises. And it's speaking to the independent.ie this morning, she said, I got so furious when Peter Casey started talking about how he would put seven women into the Council of State, but he didn't name any. It was just so ridiculous and pure tokenism. She says, there were so many people talking drivel during the debate that I just had to get out. I shouted, I can't take this anymore. I'm leaving. And as I was being escorted out, I yelled, Bunty was robbed and that Peter Casey was uh, a joke. She said she had applied for a ticket in advance of the debate and had no trouble gaining entry to the RTE studio despite being a very recognisable figure. She said I went into a packed studio dressed as Bunty uh, at the very last moment but if anyone from RTE had prevented me from gaining entry she said I would have stood my ground and strongly questioned them on that basis. She was perfectly entitled to be there like everybody uh, else but Claire Byrne cut to an ab and I'm sure she was told by the producers to cut to an ad break when the interruption uh, happened and uh, she then uh, Bunty then was escorted out of the the, the building, even though she said she was she was leaving, she would have left of her own uh, free will. She's also hinted that there may be more appearances of Bunty before the October 26th presidential election. So certainly watching it, it was probably the most exciting part of the debate. Or maybe I was wrong. Maybe you, you enjoyed it. So I'd be interested to hear how you felt about the debate uh, last night. And would was it a wrong decision on Michael D. Higgins and Sean Gallagher not to attend? Or is Michael D. Higgins correct? I mean, this election, certainly going by the opinion polls, is his to lose. So is he right not to put him into any sort of a situation where 
something could happen like what happened to Sean Gallagher in 2011 uh, he's got you know if there was a, a, a vote today the man will be home and dry so are his handlers saying don't risk it even though Michael D. Higgins is probably one of the greatest debaters that we have in this country I don't think there was anything last night by way of a curveball that he could not have answered I heard him on the first radio debate where all six uh, debated and I thought he did very well I thought it was a bit uncomfortable listening to the other candidates almost picking on him, particularly the ageist part of it. But again, I think he defended himself and he defended uh, his role as president for the last uh, seven years. So, you know, you wonder, I certainly don't think that this is Michael D's decision not to debate. I'm, I would... I will put money on that it's the team around him and the people around him and his handlers and his advisors that are saying keep a low profile, do a minimum amount of interviews, particularly those kind of interviews where you're going to be confronted uh, with stuff that could throw a little bit of a curveball. Anyway, your thoughts on how the presidential debate went. There is to be one, funny enough, with Pat Kenny where we will get all six. I think he's agreed to do one with Osquelga as well even though if he does one Osquelga it'll only be him and Leonie Rieda because they're the only two who are fluent in Irish some of the other candidates think have a little bit of Irish but certainly not enough to put them into a debate uh, setting so your thoughts welcomed on that also looking for your thoughts on Patrick Street and the car ban in the city which is since it got reintroduced it's now 10 weeks since it got reintroduced I still don't know is 10 weeks long enough for it to be bedded down and for us to really be able to see is this working or is it uh, not we're hearing from one Cork City councillor who doesn't feel it's working uh, and even though City Hall are saying footfall is up in the city so I'd love to hear your thoughts on have you been to the city during the 10 weeks since the car ban has been in place do you find it a much more pleasant place to be in the afternoon with the car ban on Patrick Street or have you noticed that the city is much quieter are you avoiding the city because certainly when the car ban was first introduced I remember we did a programme here we did some interviews here on it and we had listeners from the county who said absolutely they were avoiding the city in the afternoon and if anything they were shopping locally instead because they didn't want to have to pay extra for parking and they were unsure of what streets they could go down through what way if they needed to get somewhere so there was a tendency to avoid the city and of course retailers soon realised people were avoiding the city and that's why the council stopped, they put a halt to the car ban they paused it for a while, they looked at it again and then they put it back in place 10 weeks ago and I know they put in place things like reduced parking but I think if I'm open to correction but I think some of that reduced parking has been removed and it's back to uh, normal pay parking now. Anyway your thoughts uh, welcomed on that We're also going to ask why the council needs to set up a rural affairs committee and one wonders is this going to be all the more important when the city boundary takes a chunk of the county, revenue will go from Cork County Council, will go into the city council and if there's less money to be spent, will less be spent in very rural areas and we're seeing the death of some communities in rural areas. Do we need to very quickly say we need to halt it now and do something now to re-energise rural areas and get people back living and working 
uh, and just enjoying rural life uh, again. We'll look at that on the programme. We'll get updated with the Eyeball, their latest litter survey we celebrated yesterday with Formoy being top dog in the survey. Let's see who's bottom dog and let's take a look at the overall survey. Are we getting a handle on uh, litter? And Survital Check Scandal, a support group has been set up for the women and for their families. It's called uh, 221 Plus 221 been the number of women who've been affected by the Cervital Check scandal and plus, unfortunately, there for the other women, there that number is going to grow. And Stephen Teep is going to join us. He lost his gorgeous wife, uh, Irene, uh, a year ago now. It was July of last year, so they've, he's had, they've had their first uh, anniversary, leaving behind two little boys, and he's now raising those two little boys. And I think he's a very brave and honourable man. He could just be at home focusing on his two kids and just forgetting about the outside world and just living in the most unbearable pain that he must be going through every single day as he gets out of bed without his wife and looking at his two children without a mother. And instead, he's decided to, you know, get out there and campaign on behalf of other women. I just think he's such a brave brave man. He really is. He's, he's terrific. And he joins us today to talk about this uh, support group. And then Joe Heflin will join us in the final hour of the programme. And Joe will be talking about stress. So th- You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming into the programme on the presidential debate last night, Paddy and Mallow. I don't know much about Gavin Duffy, but I thought he wasn't long putting Claire Byrne back in her box when she was reading out the statement from Michael D. Higgins. This was the statement about Michael D. Higgins was accused on the debate on Saturday of having his dog grooming bills paid for out of uh, money that comes in expenses into the uh, Auris and Claire Byrne. Now it wasn't mentioned last night but when his expenses was mentioned she jumped in and said that there, there was a statement saying that the dog grooming bills uh, were not paid for out of Auris expenses that he pays for the, out of his own money. Uh, Paddy said he uh, de- is picking up the fact that Gavin Duffy said why is she doing the job of the President? He should be here debating it himself. And can I also say he was in the studio, the radio studio on Saturday when Peter Peter Casey made that point to him that even your dog grooming bills are paid for. He should have there and then said, well, actually, no, they're not. Uh, so I don't know whether he had to go back and check who pays the dog grooming bills, but it seems the dog grooming bills are paid for by himself. Dermot Middleton says, I can't understand why they issued a statement from Michael D. Higgins. Uh, oh, that's the one on the dog grooming bill when he wasn't at the debate. Well, and yet he was in the RT studios three hours earlier because he was live on the 6-1 News. Tom and Rath Gormick, what's so special about Michael D. Higgins to say he couldn't take part in the debate? He said he gave a commitment to debates but never gave a reason as to why he wasn't attending last night's debate. He sort of intimated that he had presidential duties to do but seemingly there was no public event that he had to attend last night. Now that's not to say that the president doesn't have private events that he could be uh, attending. And Barry says, I think Michael D. should have been there as he is the current president. If he was there then Sean Gallagher would also have shown up and it would have been much more inclusive why did my why why Michael D Higgins is an excellent while Michael D Higgins is an excellent president I think people should be open minded about change rather than staying put in uh, staying put in one 
Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I had to hang with that before. I don't understand the end of it. Um, anyway, but I know I know the point that you're trying you're you're trying to make that it would be nice for him to be there and to hear what he has to say. I think more than uh, anything, because someone else on text makes the point. Patricia didn't surprise me that Michael D Higgins didn't show up uh, last night. He's been very silent for the last seven years while he has been uh, president. And the texter says. Despite a load of, I won't use that word, say rubbish, it was no debate. It was just soapbox rubbish. Michael T. Higgins is such a gentleman and he deserves to be re-elected. At least he always knows what he is talking about and credit to us. And he's a credit to us at home and abroad, as is Mrs. Sabina Higgins. We can be very proud of them and we know they're never going to let us down when they open their mouths. That's for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, and just on the... Uh, John says this is on the car ban something we are going to be discussing later on on the programme this is Patrick Street the car ban 10 weeks in operation on this Thursday and we're trying to find out is it working or not and we want to get the views of the people on the ground are you going to the city if you are going to the city do you enjoy going into the city centre more now that the car ban is in place John said it's not the car ban that is affecting shops in the city centre it is the superb value and quality available on the internet sales in the shops in the US are oh sorry Sears is that some shop obviously in the US are closing 150 stores because of internet competition. Wake up high street stores or they will disappear uh, says John that's a huge problem all over the world isn't it with internet shopping and we all do our bit of internet shopping and it's great and it's convenient and all of that but we all do need to stop and think if we all end up doing internet shopping and you're right John it is affecting the high street trade if all of the shops close down we'll then bemoan the fact because we're going to have to wait for deliveries because there's no shop where you can just run to the shop and get it it's a little bit like the corner shop we all think the corner shop is invaluable and then when it closes down everyone's going oh my god I can't believe the corner shop is closing but when you ask people when did you last shop in the corner shop oh well it would have been a couple of months ago or I remember last year I went in there for milk or six months ago I ran out of coffee at 11 o'clock at night so I went to the corner shop we need to be using those corner shops more in order for them to be able to stay in business and there's no point moaning afterwards when they're all closed down and John is right it's going to be the very same for all of our high street stores 1850 John Paul takes your calls Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. Now Cork County Council is looking at establishing a special rural affairs committee amid rising concerns that many communities across North and West Cork are dying. The suggestion of setting up the committee came from West Cork Councillor John O'Sullivan who joins me. Good morning to you John. Good morning Patricia. And uh, you're welcome to the programme. Will the extension of the city boundary with the extension of the city boundary on the way will Cork County Council become a much more rural focused local authority, do you think? Well, of necessity, it will have to be. There's 108,000 people um, being taken into, into the city uh, that reduces the population of Cork County Council in the city met- metropolitan area by over 100,000 people. And effectively what's left is principally the rural um, county towns and villages and key villages. And I think we have to develop those. We have to, we have to invigorate them in some way or other or attempt to, at any rate to see can, can we maintain a population and as it stands uh, John what evidence 
are you seeing of rural decline in some communities on, on a very practical level? On a very, I suppose the biggest one is, is, is the GA. There's GA teams having to amalgamate. They've had to reduce the number of teams that they field. Um, school Schools are uh, having reduced numbers. Um, farms, I suppose, are, are, are being left behind. And I'm not so sure that that's a lack of income, but I think allied to, to income, that is the social aspect of it. We, you need to keep a critical mass of different age groups in an area to, to make it interesting for people to stay there. And and talk, so talk to me then about your ideas for this Rural Affairs uh, Committee. I mean, would it have access to finance, for example? Well, it, it would have to have. But I mean, I suppose basically I, I sat down and uh, the debacle of the city extension is more or less behind us and we have to look forward and, and, and think and plan ahead. And the elections are next May and after that there'll be a strategic policy committee set up. And I in my said I would put it to Cork County Council and to the members that I feel that a rural affairs committee should be put in place to deal specifically with rural issues, to rural proof whatever the council decides to implement, whatever government decides to implement, and to be a voice and a focus for, for representing why certain, I suppose, dictates from from centralised council and from central government wh- why they must be either adapted or they should be changed to um, or t- so that they, that they won't impact adversely on, on rural Ireland. And I, I think that, that's been forgotten. We have, we have bureaucrats inside, behind desks, and they're not aware of what the impact some of the the um, policies have on, on, on rural Ireland. And, and yeah, a decision that uh, can be made can have a much different effect on a large urban areas than, than it can in a rural area. I mean, one of the ones that's constantly been uh, of late that's been quoted is the VAT on the tourism sector being increased. That's going to cause, isn't it, a huge amount of pain, much more in rural areas than it will in the larger mm. urban areas like Dublin. I, I, I'm not so sure those figures, from, from the figures I've been given, the, that, that increase in VAT will increase revenue to the state of about £485 million. Yeah. In my, From what I'm being told, £350 million, that will come from, from um, within Dublin, the greater Dublin area. It, the, the, the choice to be made there, and, and that would have been, if the, the VAT wasn't increased, it would have been an increase in, in um, carbon taxes. Now, carbon taxes, in my view, would have been much more detrimental to, to rural businesses, you have an increase in electricity, increase in transport, in, increase in energy costs. I, I, I'm quite convinced that if if, um, if those rural hotels did, did did the maths on that, that, that they'd find that, that the four and a half is significantly less than what the impact of, of an increased carbon tax would be. Now, the, the only the only downside on that is is that we're being told that that carbon taxes are to increase next year, and and that will be an impact next year. But and that that you, is going to happen because of climate change, John. We we have no choice on that one. Yes, but I, I mean I, I I'm coming to the opinion that that the public are taxed as far as they can be taxed. To be honest, yeah, you know, yeah. because middle income earners are paying are paying substantial amounts of tax, and the the controls that we're imposing on people. And that can be controlled, uh, imposed there from Dublin, and, and have a, a double whammy f- effect in rural Ireland is putting a cost on, on the cost of living and, and making rural places unattractive to live. And the carbon tax certainly on people living in a rural area where a car is a necessity Absolutely. rather than a luxury. We don't have the choice of taking but, public transport. But there's, there's a simple, I, I'm a farmer. I have to take a number of animals to the market, take them to the factory, take, take produce somewhere else. 
I need a strong, I need a diesel car, to be honest with you. Maybe other people don't, but am I going to be penalised because I, I, I'm located out here? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, my take on the carbon taxes in, in, in the aftermath of the emergency, excess duties and, and petrols and diesel and that was increased substantially. I think it, that should be diverted across to carbon tax now rather than increasing costs. And that's my own personal idea, but I, 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 I actually do think we're coming to a stage where, where the, the ordinary working men, the middle income, c- cannot afford to pay much more taxes. It's just getting to that. I think a lot of people will agree with you uh, on that, John. But just back to this, uh, your Rural Affairs uh, Committee, in order to get people to move back into rural areas, they need employment. Do we need central government to show a real interest in rural Ireland? We need two things. We need, in my opinion, communities... You cannot impose solutions on communities. I've seen it for community groups or whatever. The community group that gets out there, gets proactive, promotes itself, establishes itself and drives on, gets support from local government and from national government. I think we've got to encourage local communities to be proactive, to encourage and to to look at what, what potential is in an area to develop it. Having established that, I think... A rural Development Committee at Cork County Council, and and it, it, this is only by extension. There's there's a rural rural affair, a rural committee um, part in government as well, where we have a minister for rural affairs. But that that then could could be you could seek funding or seek support or seek whatever is required, change of policy, or the writing of a policy, in order to support that. And by that we we, we could get um, activity and employment and. Economic, economic activity and, and income earning activity into rural areas which would support people like just take for the Waterford Greenway Yeah, that was established in the countryside it has been a phenomenal success if we could establish greenways tourist trails like there, there's a fantastic initiative here in Court Michelle in two weeks time uh, uh, an autumn school I was only looking at the brochure for it today. What a lineup of speakers. Absolutely. And I have to give credit to, to the committee, and I, I, I helped them on occasion, and particularly the chairman, Barry, Barry Holland, there. That's the kind of thing can bring activity, can bring people. That's extending the shoulders of the, of the tourists. And you do it off season as, as well. But actually, when, we, when I, I touched on the budget, there, I mean, there was an allocation of extra money for tourism pro, uh, projects. Right. And it was great to hear our own Wilder Grant Igway mentioned. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you'll know the Seven Hits Peninsula as well. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. Try to get onto yeah. that. And that. No, I suppose in, we, were, we were unfortunate in one sense that there's roadworks at both ends of it, which made it. Not feasible this year, but we'll have improved roads and improved infrastructure. We 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 get on that next year, and then that that's that's the plan. But they are the kind of things that that we need to focus on. And I think Cork County Council, being more rurally based at this stage, needs to urgently focus on those kind of initiatives to grab whatever is going from government, put two hands around, and bring as much as they can of it into Cork County. And I mean, even like I, I was absolutely delighted with the, the cross party and virtually unanimous support I got in the chamber. But even at that, there was some negative comments, I think, that, that, that need to be addressed, saying that, that, that there's no tourism in our car. There's f- fantastic potential for tourism, uh, heritage trails, walks, cycleways. If communities could just get together and feel they could be supported by a rural affairs committee that, that would try to source funding, that would encourage them. To create those kind of tourist attractions, people living in cities and towns love to get out into the countryside, and therein lies what I think is the potential to, to develop the countryside. I actually am, am one of those who, who think that 
So there's phenomenal potential there, but we've got to talk it up. We've got to encourage people to, to develop it, and we've got to encourage people to be positive and, 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 and to make the ball move and, and, and try to move forward. OK, a lot of people are agreeing with you, including Kevin and Bandon says, I feel rural Ireland is now in real trouble and something has to happen. Those in power well, don't seem to care about us in, I, in rural areas. I, I, I'm very strongly that we have a very short window to do this because if the critical mass of population goes below a certain level, we're going to be on redemption. We've got to move quickly, urgently to, to turn this around. If we, if we don't do it shortly, it won't be done because... And, it, and it, actually, Lehman in Kanturk is raising uh, an issue as well. Planning. Planning needs to be looked at. Uh, too many people are trying to build in rural areas and it's turned down by the planning office. I, I, I put a very simple figure the other day. There's 55 councillors in Cork County Council. If Cork County Council could uh, put facilitate or get through the system two plannings per, per councillor, is a is a hundred plannings. That if that was replicated in all the local authorities in the country, it would move those hundred families into their own homes, would free up rental properties that they're present most of them are presently renting. It could, it could take a third off the, the the critical housing list within twelve months. Wow. Wow. That's just a simple okay. thing. And if we don't have people living in rural Ireland, we won't have rural Ireland because they are the critical element to keep it keep it open. Okay, Nyland Cantor says, listening to your rural debate, your your topic on uh, rural decline. I feel at this stage our government is not doing enough for rural Ireland. Why is Fianna Fáil propping up this government? Pull the plug, and let's have an election and bring in a new government with a new vision, uh, particularly a new vision for uh, rural Ireland. Absolutely, and actually, and and just while we're talking about election, I can see a lot of uh, thoughts and comments coming in on the presidential debate last night. Did you watch the debate? I didn't. I was I was out actually. I, 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 I think it's unfortunate that, that all, all five and their personal supporting Michael Lee, I think he's head and shoulders over the rest. Because if, to be president, I think you have to have political experience, social experience, and you have to have legal experience. And I, I think he has it in abundance. And I think regardless of his age, I think in my view, he's head, head and shoulders over the rest. OK, we leave it there, John. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good thanks morning to you. That is uh, Court McSherry-based uh, councillor John O'Sullivan on that, the need for a Rural Affairs uh, Committee. And I can't see anybody disagreeing with that. It's a, it's a, it's a great, great idea. Uh, let's get it up and running. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. Now, yesterday we celebrated with the town of Fomoy, who were named the cleanest town in Ireland in the latest Irish Business Against Litter survey. To find out how the rest of the county and indeed the rest of the country did, I'm joined by Connor Horgan of Eyeball. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning, Patricia. Now, on, Connor, on the day that the inspectors visited Fomoy, uh, there was almost a complete absence of litter. Is that very rare? For the yes, yes, it is rare. I mean, um, looking at the report, it is without blemish. Every site that was visited was deemed to be a clean site. So literally, for my could not have done better. It was a 100% score. And, you know, as the surveyors pointed out, it wasn't just the town centre. It was the residential areas and the other outlying areas. So that is, it has, it has happened before, but it is very, very rare, yes. 
Because I spoke with uh, Paul Kavanagh of Fomoy Tidy Towns uh, yesterday uh, and he explained that five years ago they started a journey to make Fomoy a cleaner town and businesses, residents, groups, all of the agencies, the local councils all got together. Other towns and cities and areas can really learn from that model that's been set up in Fomoy. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a measure of the success we've had with our league and the rising standards all the time that it takes that level of coordinated effort to top our table now because Formoy has been clean for a number of years but not sufficiently clean to top our rankings. So really, uh, this is exactly what we intended with this programme when we started it, that at the top of the table there'd be a level of competitiveness, if you like, among communities to try and outdo each other and come top of our rankings. And that seems to be the case from what we're hearing around the country. And it was great yesterday to chat with the good people of Formoy. And, you know, they were talking about how they're improving year on year in the Tidy Towns competition. I mean, they finally broke the magical uh, 300 point barrier. They also won the best improved town in the Cork County Council Anti-Litter Challenge. And it's just this, this sense of onwards and upwards and they're not sitting on their laurels. They're, they're going to keep at it. No, it's great. And, um, you know, it is reflected in other towns. I mean, we had Ennis put in a tremendous showing last year to uh, to win the title of cleanest town. And it's it's just very heartening to hear the response of, of tidy towns groups in particular. And it's clear to us the importance of tidy towns groups in this process. And yesterday I had other groups on to me asking, could their town be included? That's brilliant. That's quite a difference from 10 years ago when towns wanted out, Patricia. Uh, yeah, I, I remember as well with the town of Mallow wanting out. And um, But, but um, uh, Connor, where would we be without the tidy towns volunteers? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good question. Um, we're often asked what's the recipe for success in our league. And you know, for us, it's clear that the local authority has to invest a certain amount of effort at the beginning. But thereafter, it's all about the community. It's all about tidy towns. Um, and that has been the reason why any time I think we've shone a light on a bad town, within a number of years, it has improved. Mm. That's without exception. Yeah. The only exception being, which I know we'll be coming on to, are the you know the problematic city areas where we're not seeing that change. And to my mind, that's because there isn't that tidy town's force to bring it about. Yeah, because there was mixed results for our beautiful city. I mean, parts of Cork City uh, very clean, but then other parts suffering increasing levels of litter. Yes, I, I mean, this was a summer survey, so there was an emphasis on finding out how do our towns and cities scrub up uh, at a time when they're welcoming, you know, tourists in, in, in great numbers. And it was a very positive story in that regard. You know, our towns were 90% clean. When you talk about our cities, the city centres were very clean. Uh, Galway city centre was the only city centre that missed out on the clean grade, and that wasn't by much. In the case of Cork City Centre, it was a very good performance. It got the top litter grade. So did Dublin City Centre. So, you know, the tourist story is an altogether positive one. But as you say, there are parts of cities, pockets within those cities, and we've spoken about this before, Patricia. We've we've deliberately highlighted these pockets because they are off the beaten track. They don't get the attention of the local authority because they're not commercial centres and they're not tourist centres. 
but we don't want to see them being left behind and unfortunately that's what's happening. But no litter black spots, which is no, which was is, very different. No, that is a positive, when, yes. yeah. And that has been the case for a couple of years now. Um, but I would say, unfortunately, that Ballyban in Galway, which was at the foot of our table, and the Dublin's North Inner City, which had done well for a number of years, they weren't far off that litter black spot yeah. uh, grade. So theirs was was a lowly. They were deemed heavily littered, but it 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 was quite a lowly, heavily littered mark, if you understand. And nationwide, I mean, the disadvantaged areas, they dominate the lower rankings in in the survey. How do we instill that pride in our place that we had in abundance yesterday when we were talking about Fomoy? Yeah, I mean, that that is the point. And I've been talking a lot about that over the last couple of days. Um, It's look, it's maybe to be expected that they would occupy the lowest places in our rankings. Some people would say it's not fair to compare Cork Northside with Formoy and they may have a point but nonetheless if an area is deemed seriously littered then there's a problem and we're only highlighting that problem um, I think mixed housing is, is a solution but it's a long term solution as long as we have clusters of social housing with lots of people beset with social problems going to be difficult to engender that spirit of of pride in a locality there's you know in dublin's north inner city for example it's lots of transient populations there who don't have the same vested interest in the locality like you might have in Formoy. and Mm. you know there's just not the existing community groups that cover those entire areas there's no tidy towns in dublin's north inner city for example and that's not a criticism of the people but yeah, it's just those areas are not as conducive to creating these communities, and that's what we need to address. And in, you know, there is a there's you know legitimate calls for more and more houses to be built, and we know that's needed. But you know, we need to build communities at the same time, and in in the frenzy to to address the housing crisis. You know, it's tempting to forget that and yeah. just to start building and building. And then that's a really good point. It's communities we need. We don't just need to build houses. It's the communities we need to build to live in those houses. Will any other Cork towns feature in your surveys going forward? Yes, indeed. We will um, We will rotate. Um, and we have rotated with Formoy. Formoy hasn't been in it every year of late. Um, we've had Yall in it in the past. We've obviously had Middleton and Mallow. And, you know, there is the need to, uh, to rotate. I suppose our policy is, Patricia, that if, a, if, if we recognise the need, and there is the need in places like Cork's Northside and Cork's Mahon, who are doing poorly, then we'll stick with those areas. Yeah, okay. But and then, the areas who are doing well, that will be rotated from time to time. And, and, and obviously, the obvious one there is Formoy. Is Formoy now in with the real chance of winning the overall title at the end of the year? It is, absolutely. Um, but the margins are very thin at the top of our table. Okay. I've mentioned that before. So it would, uh, God forbid, it would take only one or two heavily littered sites in the town to knock it off the perch quite quickly. Okay. And um, we've seen that with towns now, such as the standard that at Roscommon, for example, which was third last time out, had a couple of bad sites, the sites this time out, and it's 29th in our ranking. Ah. So, there's yeah. no, there's no. Um, you can fall from grace so quickly. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Grace, the main 
thing is that these towns are clean. It's okay. not all about position and the charm. Absolutely. Listen, Connor, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that and continue good luck with the work of Eyeball. Thank you. A great organisation. Thank you for that. That is uh, Connor Horgan from the Irish Business Against Litter. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Uh, to see the Nightingale and the Rose and uh, there was also dinner thrown in at Green's restaurant and a lovely thank you card to say they had a lovely, lovely night. Thank you. And I heard uh, l- such glowing reports from Nightingale and the Rose at the Everyman and absolutely it is uh, um, a stunning, stunning show. Now we were remembering earlier that it was this day last year, first anniversary of Storm Ophelia, a storm I think we will talk about for many, many years to come. Well, Andy O'Connor wants to remember this day 128 years ago because it was on this day, October 16th in 1890, that Michael Collins was born. Andy in his text says he left behind him following his death in 1922, a lasting legacy. He signed the treaty that set up our state. Sadly, he did not live to enjoy the fruits of that Anglo-Irish treaty, but he will be never forgotten, uh, says Andy O'Connor. Thank you for that, uh, Andy. Now, on rural Ireland and the decline of rural Ireland and what we were looking at in the last hour, the need for Cork County Council to set up a Rural Affairs Committee and it will become more important than ever when the city, the boundary extension of the city happens and 108 thousand people will leave the county and go under the well they don't physically leave the county but uh, they are going to come under the remit of the city council and with that of course a chunk of money is going to go away and all of the focus then because the county the county council will truly then be a rural based uh, on the majority of the constituents constituents will be in very rural areas so the focus really does have to go on rural life and how do we sustain rural life and how do we keep it going how do we keep it going for future generations a listener says uh, Patricia what rural Ireland is getting in abundance is forestry up and down the roads it's growing it's like little house in the prairie it makes dwelling houses isolated do you know it takes 40 years for those trees to mature for cutting Uh, the worst the worst is yet to come uh, particularly in parts of North Cork says a listener morning Patricia by WhatsApp uh, on rural Ireland we need to keep young ones in rural uh, areas in order for them to stay we need to have things like proper broadband we need proper phone signals all the things that are important to younger people we also need to get business that will suit and will bring jobs so that those young people will be enticed to come back or enticed to stay as your gentleman speaking, that was uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan from Cork Mac. As uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan was saying, stop taxing middle earners. It's bad enough to get by as is. Uh, what is needed is for those TDs to get off their backsides and come down and see what it is really like to live in rural Ireland. We have to keep young people. If we don't, towns in rural Ireland will be like ghost towns. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. And that's what prompted that debate in the council. And every single councillor who spoke at that discussion about setting up a rural affairs committee all had a story to tell about decline in their area. So it isn't just like a pocket of West Cork or a pocket of East Cork or a little bit of North Cork. Every single area is suffering and you know we've identified it we need to do something about it um, now 
and someone oh this is Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia during my travels over the weekend this is when we were told about carbon tax which didn't go on I've seen diesel at 149.9 a litre that is expensive and we're always telling people and I know the AA whenever we have them on are always saying to you know shop around on your petrol and if you spot petrol and your tank is empty enough get in there and get it and definitely don't be loyal to one garage which we have a tendency to do a lot of us will just go to the one garage don't even know how much the price is and fill it up we need to be more price conscious when it comes to petrol and diesel and I think people have I think over 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 time people have started to become certainly more price conscious on the presidency Vincent in Newmarket said um, Bunty was probably right now Bunty was the heck who heckled and had to be removed from the studio uh, yesterday uh, w- with her shouting all the candidates are talking drivel. Vincent in Newmarket feels she was right. He also feels the candidates were talking drivel. I feel it was a waste of time. I think when you see a young man found in bushes outside the City Hall in Galway, that's what we should be talking about instead of these people trying to get a foot in just to get large sums of money. That man who died in Galway was only in his 20s and his parents are still alive. Such a sad yeah that was just such a sad story he was a homeless man wasn't he just so young as well may um, he rest in peace uh, really really sad uh, story now other issues coming in to us somebody says Patricia did did the organisers of the bingo in Mill Street get back to say when are they going to play for the jackpot come on play the bingo for the jackpot please this was a story that broke yesterday and we had a lot I think we probably every bingo fan in the area uh, contacted us uh, yesterday people who travel to who were travelling to Mill Street on a regular basis to attend bingo and the jackpot did somebody say it got to 2000 euro and they've decided to stop bingo it's obviously not paying them to keep the bingo going which is happening in other areas as well people are not going out to bingo as much as they did in uh, previous years so some you know some community centres and GAA organises uh, bingos and other you know the groups organise bingo by way of a fundraiser they're not making money they're stopping the bingo nights but what we heard yesterday was that normally when a group decides that they're ending their bingo and if there is a jackpot there they will have a special night where they will play for the jackpot but it seems in Mill Street the organisers have decided to stop the bingo and they're not paying they're not going to play for the jackpot and we did get on to one of the organisers yesterday who said they're not issuing a statement at this time, which will lead us to believe that they will issue a statement because somebody yesterday was of the belief that they were going to hang on to the €2,000 and use it to pay off bills and and debts, uh, etc. But that certainly wasn't going down well with the bingo players who feel they all have a bit of a stake in that jackpot because obviously their money that they paid in every week to play bingo went towards that jackpot accumulating, accumulating. I don't know how long the jackpot has been running, but people just feel the regular players want to be able to play for that jackpot. So the answer is no. We've had no more of an update but the organisers of the now defunct bingo in Mill Street we are here ready willing and able if you want to put a call through if you want to wish us with a statement because certainly we have your former players who are a bit disheartened and a bit upset about the way the bingo has ended and the fact that they're not getting a chance to play for the jackpot so if anybody wants to comment 
please, please, please uh, use us here at C103 1850 333 103. Back to the presidential debates. Pat says, Patricia, regarding the debates, all I saw on the programme last night was millionaires looking for junkets for seven years and a stash of cash to go with it. If I was to vote for anyone, I think I would be voting for Leah Niria. Uh, I think she looks honest, uh, says Pat. Well, the sub, the top, the the topic of who was millionaires that did come up last night. Obviously, all of the dragons uh, are millionaires. Leonie Riada uh, isn't a millionaire, and neither is Joan Freeman. In fairness, Joan Freeman from Pieta House had to take out a loan. Initially, she remortgaged her house to set up Pieta House, and of course, a rather controversial loan to run this campaign of 120,000 from the guy who owns Herb Life in America and it's the Herb Life company because it's one of those pyramid schemes uh, that's the company that um, has caused a lot of controversy so she certainly is the millionaire she's had to borrow the money as well and another topic that we got a lot of reaction to yesterday was the fact that Porky Cueve charged 25 euro for people to get into the county finals the hurling finals on Sunday, wasn't it? The, the, the two matches were on and people were very, very annoyed about it. And I mentioned yesterday when I was talking about it that I'd read an interview that the county board chairperson, Tracy Kennedy, had given where she said she was defending why they had charged €25, Euro, but she also stated that Croke Park issued a directive that €20 Euro had to be the minimum price for a county final and then they decided to add another five round which she said they couldn't have gone below uh, 20 euro well somebody says patricia Tracy Kennedy stating that Croke Park issued a directive setting the minimum uh, prices. Could you now get her to comment on the fact that Croke Park has come out and said it never issued any such directive is this more lies from the Cork County Board or CP Either way, people should vote with their feet and stay away rather than pay for this overpriced product as it, as it is now what the GAA has become. Now, we're getting on to uh, Croke Park just to... Uh, because I saw a piece online on, I think it was the journal.ie, had what's been stated in that particular text that Croke Park was in. They didn't issue a director. So I'm trying to find out where... Tracy Kennedy wouldn't have made that up. I'm trying to find out where she got that from. So we are now have sent an email off to Coke Park to find out did they issue a directive and if they did issue, issue uh, a directive or how could Tracy Kennedy and the Cork County Board have got it into her, into their heads that there was a directive saying that you couldn't charge below €20 Euro for the county final. But a lot of people still very, very upset. I was looking at it even online uh, yesterday. There was people uh, talking about this, like one guy, Shane, was saying robbery, new and progressive top table, new ideas, beautiful new stadium, showpiece of the Cork GAA hurling calendar. How can we entice people to come with their families? Uh, let's fleece them and charge them €25 Euro ahead and 20 euro for OAPs. It is a disgrace. Um, Alan said, I, I, I decided not to go to the match. Price of the tickets was simply too uh, high. I have been to Cork matches in Thurless before and it is far cheaper. So a lot of people still very, very upset and annoyed. And I think certainly from the calls we were getting in yesterday, people are fearful that is, are we, they're now setting a precedent and that if they that match, that county final was €25. Euro. Is it going to be €25 euro for every other county final that you would have to attend in um, 
Porky Cueve and people are just fearful that they just won't be able to afford to go. We had some families who said they would love to have gone but with students there was one family who went parents and two students and it was 90 euro just to get in. I mean that's before you pay petrol to get to the venue you know, if you're on a day out, you might like to get something to eat. You might like to have a few drinks. It can be an expensive day out. And, you know, sadly, the money isn't always there. Uh, John Paul taking your calls, 1850 C103 Jobs. A grade one chef is required. It's for Damamway Community Hospital. While O'Leary's building and ICF contractors are looking for skilled labourer and a carpenter for immediate start in the North Cork uh, area. And Rathcool Play School, that's near Mill Street, they're looking for a play school leader with minimum qualifications, FeeTech Level 6 in childcare. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. It will be 10 weeks this Thursday since Cork City Council reintroduced the 3pm to 6.30pm car ban on Patrick Street to discuss if the city centre movement strategy is working. I'm joined by Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn. Good morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. City Hall insists that footfall on Cork's main street is up. Are you seeing the evidence on the ground? Well, first of all, they're they're insisting uh, without producing any evidence, you know, they've produced these figures. I haven't seen any verification method for these figures. I don't know which company was involved, who they're counting, who was doing the counting, what the times of the day of the counting was. Was it school children that were coming in, collecting, getting on buses? Was it cruise companies coming in, bus tours, etc., coming in? I, I don't know. Um, nor does anybody else from what I can work out and those figures haven't been released or the company that has been carrying out this or the individual that's been carrying out these um, identifying these figures ha- ha- you know there's no there's you know, it's very easy for me to produce a set of figures for you, but if there's no verification on it or any further information, it's very hard to disagree with them. Now, that said, um, even if the figures are correct and are, are, are true, um, it hasn't had the effect on the tills that an increased footfall normally would. So what are business people saying? Well, what are business people are saying to me, I've, I've been in uh, various shops throughout the city, I've been in various cafes, etc. People have produced till rolls that can show that they haven't had one sale in the in the period of from 2.30 up to about 6 o'clock. I have spoken to people that have told me that they've had the worst uh, couple of weeks in business uh, for the last 40 years. Uh, and, you know, it's all very well for officials to beat out numbers and figures and to say, you know, everybody has moved on to online trading and everybody is, is buying their buying their clothes online. But the reality is, is you can't buy a cup of coffee online. You can't buy a donut online. You can't buy a sandwich online. You know, the restaurants are suffering. These type of tra- cafes are suffering. So there, there's something seriously wrong with what's happening with what's happening in the city centre. And I said this before to you, Patricia, and I said it on your colleagues' radio stations as well, that I believe that these new measures that were introduced about reintroducing the ban with putting lipstick on the pig, but it's still a pig. 
and, and that's been proved in the tills of the traders of the city. The reality is that what we have to do is build our park and rides on the north side and the additional park and rides on the south side before we introduce any further of this strategy. I'll be, see, I'll be putting a motion before City Council looking for, for us to change, to, to reopen Patrick Street again in the interest of trading. The English market, I've spoken to a number of traders and say there, it's absolutely dead. I walk around the city myself, I see it. I'm counting shopping bags myself and I'm seeing very few yeah, shopping bags. Yeah, and the, you know, that's what people are saying to us as well, that when they go into the city, uh, you can see there is a decline. That's why I was surprised to see those figures where they were claiming uh, footfall had gone up and, and you, you will regularly see on any social media, people will put up a photograph at half three in the afternoon and it looks like a ghost town. Yeah, absolutely. And in fairness to the photographer and, well, a celebrity photographer I call him, Billy McGill here in Cork City. Uh, fantastic guy. And he's been doing a tremendous job on documenting the last 10 weeks in Cork City. But I've seen it myself. I, you know, I've been in business myself. I know, I know enough about business to know that you cannot survive like this. Uh, and for people to put arguments is that, you know, we have to change the way we do business and we have to change. That's all very well and good. But not everybody has moved online. The reality is that, you know, people like my mum and dad that come into town uh, and that, you know, my mum gets her hair done, they go for lunch together, you know, they, they do bits and pieces, they head into Tesco's and Paul Street. You know, they've stopped coming in because it's more convenient not to be stuck in traffic for half an hour on the quays here and there. It's more convenient for them to do their shopping in Blarney or do their shopping in Blackpool. And if they need to go for, for other items, go, go down to Matten Point where you're not inconvenienced and you're not delayed uh, and you're not paying parking for, uh, charges as well. But you're not delayed uh, on sitting in traffic on the quays. The reality here is for most people crossing the city that they've found, they're still sitting in, 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 in traffic uh, on the quays. Uh, and Cork has gotten the name of, look, it goes, you know, let's get out of the city. I've spoken to somebody last night um, and we were arranging to have lunch and he suggested, will we meet at six o'clock instead uh, in the city centre because at least we can get in, we can get out after that. And, and it's, it's a real pity because we, we have a wonderful city centre and the atmosphere, oh. when, it's, when it's a buzzing, busy place, I think there is no place there's better no, in the world no, for shopping. There's no place better than Cork, in fairness. Yeah. And, you know, we have some fantastic little boutique shops. We have fantastic um, artisan shops, traders, the English market, all, all that sort of stuff. Cork is a fantastic spot. But you see what's going to happen with pedestrian, with major pedestrianisation. You see this across Europe. You're going to end up with a kind of an English high street, you know, the, the big names the, uh, and more of the same. Uh, and, you know, Cork is a unique shopping experience. And we have to protect these people. By the way, these are the people that are keeping the city alive. They're paying for the lights to stay on in the city. You know, the, the amount of money that we take in on rates is phenomenal. And the city couldn't function without our rate payers, uh, in particular in the, in the Centre Island. So, you know, we're, we're, killing, we're killing the goose. We're killing the goose that laid the golden eggs. But, t- but ten weeks ago when it was introduced, reduced parking was also introduced to coincide with the car ban. Has yeah. that helped? And uh, is, no, it, it, and is it, that it, gone? It, you know, there is there is uh, reduced parking and and there is there is reduced prices and things that and the Paul Street no that's only by the way in the Paul Street and uh, North Main Street shopping uh, shopping centres because they're the only two car parks that Cork City Council own um, you know the 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 Merchants Keys with the, the and the other ones are owned privately so they haven't reduced their prices oh, so that's, okay. that's the reality there you know but look and I said I said it at the time and I said it again it was putting lipstick on the pig and we're we're we're, we're and ignoring the problem the problem 
problem is that we don't have a North Ring Road in Cork City. But the problem is we don't have a Cork to Limerick Road. And the problem is, is that officials think because it's written in the report and they spend hundreds of thousands of euros on it, this is how it should be done. And we've already seen Cork City Council waste another 300,000 euros on consultants' fees and etc. for this new branding of We Are Cork. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Well, uh, by the way, I was reading that over the weekend. The examiner broke that story. That that seems the most bizarre story ever. It was it's an economic marketing uh, strategy. 300,000. But you know, Patricia, I, I think I may have met you at the first um, rebrand of Cork, which was uh, Small City, uh, Big Heart. Yeah. And that was yeah. about five years ago. Yeah. And then we had a situation where we became pure Cork, and now we are we are Cork. I would imagine these consultants' reports, there's only so much you can put in a report. I would imagine there's a lot of cutting and pasting after going on as well for these guys, you know. Uh, but there's somebody has walked away with a, with a with a small fortune. I don't know which company it was, but the, you know, blessings to God, if they can, if they can. And the as councillors, were you aware this branding was going on? Were you involved we in the design? We weren't, even, we weren't even invited to the launch. And then I read, then I read on, I, you know, the first uh, uh, that I saw of this, right, was actually online, was on Twitter. That was the first time I saw it. We weren't even invited to the launch. That's how much respect that some officials have for us in the city council. And it's across city and county, wasn't it? Because it was the city and the county council were the main funders. I know there was other funders as well. But But look, the the, the reality is, you know, it's like there's something seriously wrong if you feel you have to rebrand your your product continuously. Cork is a fantastic product. I think we need to be listening to our elected representatives. They're the people that are actually bringing the wishes and the thoughts of people uh, straight up. I think uh, officials need to to come out of their gilded cages and and really listen to us. Well, one wonders at times why you were elected, Ken. Well, there you go. Well, I'm certainly not elected to be ignored. 
know. I, I saw I just on the carbon though. I did see the Cork Business Association urging cautious approach to voicing any concerns. Yeah. I mean, I, is there yeah. a danger no, I, that I we, we, we'll talk? We'll make the problem worse by talking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Patricia, I'm not quite sure who the, the uh, business association are really representing. Uh, uh, because you know, there's a thousand businesses here on this on the island, uh, and the city in the main island. They're only representing a, a, a very small proportion of that. I think if I if as my job as a business association, um, if I was the director of a business association and our CEO, I think I'd be screaming blue murder for my clients, for my members, for the people that I'm representing. And the problem is, is that, that I'm not quite sure what bully boy tactics have been have been used. Um, but silencing business associations, business traders, is not a good idea. And you know, if you're talk- and if you listen to these people and you read the real members of the business association that have paid a small fortune in their membership, um, their re- their views are certainly not being represented by those remarks. Um, some comments on this Vera in Mallow says uh, and this is something you mentioned there's still no park and ride for people travelling from North Cork who wish to go into the city we've no, no, we've no choice but to park in private car parks which can be very costly two other listeners making the very same point don't go into the city there's no park and ride yeah. uh, if you're coming from North Cork Deirdre and Grenat agree and, with and, Ken and the, tra- the train is bloody expensive as well coming from Mallow it's, it's over I, I, I did it the other day yeah well I know I know. Yeah, yeah, I know Sean um, Deputy Sean Sherlock was trying to get a leap card but he didn't get anywhere with it um, Deirdre in Grenna says I agree with Ken I moved to Grenan. it takes me ages to get onto the main Cork to Mallow Road every morning just to get to work and then I'm stuck on the North Ring every morning these roads are not fit for the amount of traffic that's on them why was the money allocated to Cork for these roads like other counties uh, it seems like we're still in the 70s when you look at the Cork's road network but then they bring in the cars the, the city ban the car ban in the city and they make it look like it's uh, for progress. It's not for uh, progress. So, Ken, are you saying it's a reversal of the decision is what we need? I, I believe that people need to grasp the nettle. I would invite the rest of my colleagues as well to stand up to, and be counted at this stage for the people that they're really representing, which are the people that put us here, which are your listeners, etc. I'm, I'm saying that enough is enough when it comes to reports and hundreds of thousands are being spent uh, um, and, and logic is not being listened to. And all I'm speaking, you know, I'm not a genius by any means, but, you know, all it is is a bit of logic uh, and listen to people and how it's affecting them and say, and having the guts to say, look, we got it wrong, we're going to fix it. Okay. All right, uh, Ken, it's a story it. certain it's not going away. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. That is uh, Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn, 1850-333-103. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And some of your comments coming into the programme on the bingo in Mill Street. Talking about the bingo, I'm tired of people squabbling about seats, keeping seats for other people coming later. If bingo closes down, it is the local people's own fault. If holiday visitors come to bingo, they may be told you can't sit there and so on and so on. That's somebody else's seat. That's one of the reasons I don't bother going anymore. Thanking you. And that is from a Mallow uh, listener. 1850 103. Now this week a new support group was set up by and for the women hit by the Cervital Check scandal and their families. Stephen Teep from Carrigaline, who lost his beautiful wife Irene last year helped to launch the group called 221 Plus. 
And Stephen joins me uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, Trisha. And, and you're welcome to the programme. OK, Thank talk you. to me a little bit about this group. and um, What do you hope the new group will achieve? Yeah, no problem. Um, I suppose early on, when the scandal broke, I suppose one of the things that came out of it was the isolation that everybody felt within it. There was 221 women and fam- families affected by this, but nobody knew who, who was affected or how they were dealing with it and all of the information we seemed to get it was through the press and throughout the summer um, myself, Vicky Phelan and Lorraine Walsh have been working closely with the Marie Keating Foundation, the Irish Cancer Society and the Irish Patients Association in forming this support group 221 Plus to connect the people that were involved but also as well to offer support for everybody in it and I suppose one of the key things that we found throughout the summer when we were starting to get in touch with more and more people in this and people contacting us um, who were involved in this was that there are well there are 221 um, women at the heart of this um, and not Neither two stories are the exact same. Everybody has coming from a different angle. Even if you look at the bereavement, 20, 20 women have passed away. But everyone's story is different again. And it's about, I suppose, approaching those or having a place for these people to contact so we can ask the question, um, how are you doing and what do you need and what support is required? And that's really the heart of this. It's having a support group that the backbone of is built around trust. And that's the environment that we've created with this. We're completely independent of the HSC. Um, and is that, is, the, is, is that important for the women, um, Stephen, and, and the families? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think when you look at the, at the beginning of this, I suppose the trust was eroded early on, um, given the, the, the element of non-disclosure um, and everything else, and even just the drip feeding of information. It was hard to believe what was true. Um, could you believe the person you were talking to or not? And for, for, for everybody involved in this, it was basically, can we trust our healthcare system? And even um, and I suppose that's the reason why we needed to have the independence from the HSC um, so we can create a trusting um, environment so people are comfortable in reaching out. You have to bear in mind that there's some women in this that haven't told um, their closest relatives that they're involved in this scandal. Um, there's, there's women in this who haven't even told relatives that they're um, that they had cervical cancer in the first place. So having a trusting environment for those that they can rely on and reach out to um, is very, very important. My God, that's so hard to understand, isn't it? You think these women would want to be shouting it from the rooftops and, and God help them for their own reasons. They don't. Well, absolutely. You know, like not everybody has to do what I did and others, you know, make our stories public in order to get some action and get get the, get things done. You shouldn't expect that. And you have to remember as well that there are still very, very sick women in, in, in the middle yeah. of this. And, you know, when they when they when you look at the summer and the likes of uh, Ruth Marcy um, being up in the high court, um, that that sends fear through the, the whole country for everybody who's not involved in it. But can you imagine being the, the, the women very, very sick in the middle of this? seeing that too, you know, and it's, it's having a place where they can go to, where they can trust and, and rely on, and they know they can be get in contact with other people that are involved in this too, but that there's people there with support that is willing to reach out and help them too. Yeah, and, under, and people who can understand exactly what they are uh, going exactly. through. Exactly. That's, that's key. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's understanding what we're going through and everybody, like, you know, we're not discussing each other's feelings or the topic of the scandal. It's really just to connect with each other. I, I, look, obviously asking how, 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 how is everything going and, and all of that, but we don't have to explain from the very beginning yeah. what is going on. Like, if you were to bump into, you know, a neighbour or someone on the street randomly, you know, it's a different type of conversation because we already know what we're going through here. 
And the name of the group 221 Plus is because the number of women affected, it's not expected to rise. It is going to rise, isn't it? That's what the plus bit is about. Yeah, so look, we know of 221 today. That's, that, that's where the 221 obviously comes from. The plus is that that number is um, more than likely, I suppose, most definitely going to increase. But also the plus stands for as well as the extended families that are also a part of this as well. Do you know, um, while Irene is um, one of the 221 women, I would be the plus in yeah. that Irene's parents, sisters, my two boys, were the plus as well, you know, so it just incorporates everybody that is infected, affected by this. That's good. That's clever. That's clever. And yeah. I know at the launch, Vicky Phelan spoke about wanting legislation for accountability, uh, Stephen. Talk to me about that and the need for that. Well, I think if you look at the non-disclosure element and the, the, the breach of the, the, the open disclosure policy, you know, there's, there's no re- repercussions for that. Like the open disclosure policy says if someone, for, in my case, for example, if someone is dying or very, very sick, um, any information should be um, appointed to the next of kin. Um, in, in our situation, and that was completely um, ignored. Um, but there's no re- repercussions for when that happens. And that's where you lack then in the accountability aspect of it, because there is nothing um, to support how do we get accountability in this. And it's the new patient safety bill that is um, currently going through legislation. And um, one of the key elements of that that Dr. Gabriel Scali brought through in his recommendations is actually putting sanctions on the individual who breaches this policy instead of what was originally stated in it, just a health care provider. And that's very important. And look, it's unfortunate we live in a country or a world that you have to legislate for this, but the facts are you do. And it's a very important step and a step in the right direction for accountability. And Vicky was taking it further then with management and senior people within the healthcare system, um, you know, having something in place for making those accountable as well. Um, unfortunately, there are just no sanctions in place. Um, and it's a very, very protected environment. If they do something wrong or they breach a policy or something, there are rare that there's repercussions for that. We see this time and time again. I know. It's the one thing that people can find so, so hard. Um, as a group, have you been in contact with many of the 221 women who have been uh, affected, Stephen? Yeah, I suppose we've been in, in contact with a, number, uh, a lot of them, I think, because I suppose we're the, we seem to be the public face of this. We're, we, we're, we're the only ones that people can reach out to. So, um, yeah, a lot of people have contacted us um, throughout the summer, um, you know, in private, of course, and, and we would be in touch with a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of, and a lot the, of very and sad stories out there. Oh, I can imagine. And the yeah. idea is that you've got a website which has a, a private forum for, for the women and the families, isn't it? Yeah, and that's important. Again, a bit of security around everything as well, and a bit of privacy. Um, there will be a private login page for the, um, for, I suppose, look, for, the, for the members of this support group. Um, and yeah, they will be able to gain access to a forum on it um, and a number of areas as well with regards to workshops that are available. But even, I suppose, even just to ask for advice um, section on it as well, if it's medical advice or whatever they're looking for, there will be the options for that as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's very important that I suppose it's just providing this uh, secure um, environment. And like I said earlier, you know, it's, it's trust is the backbone of this as well. I saw you um, actually with uh, Vicky Phelan at Emma Vic Mahuna's um, uh, funeral. Days like that, uh, Stephen, are, 
I mean, every day is hard for you, but it just struck me when I saw you. Does it bring back Irene's death and our days like that? Very to be honest, that wasn't actually me. At was the it not? It was Vicky. No, it was Keen O'Carroll, her solicitor, that I got mistaken oh. for. But to be honest with you, it was tough because it was on the Sunday that when Emma passed away um, that I had, um, I suppose, a number of media contacting me, asking me for my opinion on it. And um, I was listening to a lot of previous interviews that Emma would have done. And yeah, it does bring back a lot of memories. And I guess for me, it was my thoughts were going to the five children. Um, and, you know, just thinking of my own boys now and that, I suppose, a year and a half down the road in that situation. Um, it just was just, it just, it just, it was, that was painful. I think that's where my thoughts lay, lay the most, you know. Obviously, it was very sad for, look, look, it was heartbreaking to see Emma go as well. Like, no, no young mother should leave this world, particularly when she managed to prove that, you know, it was all, it was all a big mistake and she shouldn't be in that situation. It was just, just added to it as well, you know. How, how are the boys, Oscar and Noah? How are they doing, um, Stephen? They're great, you know, like they're, they're, they're so resilient. They're five and three, so they, well, look, I suppose with regards to this whole debacle that's ongoing, they don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a good thing, so when I do get the opportunity to explain it to them in 10 years' time, I will have more answers than I was given at the beginning of this, so it would be a better, hopefully I could try and make it a better story for them. But, you know, obviously there's days they, they miss their mother when they get sick and that, you know, Noah recently, he obviously missed his mom as well, so... Um, but look, in general, they're doing great. They're 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 two very strong little lads. Well, and you know, in ten years, when they are teenagers and and they're old enough to be told the full story, God, how proud they're going to be of you, uh, Stephen, and and what you've done since. You, you you are amazing. And I suppose the question has to be asked: How are you doing? I mean, yeah, fine. Um, you know, look, obviously, you know, I'm I'm involved in something that I would have never have asked for, never wanted to be a part of. You know, this is basically just dragged into this situation. Um, and just trying to get some good out of it for, like I said, for the lads, but also for myself as well, and give Irene a voice in this. Um, I won't lie, like it's, it's, it, it is very tiring on top of a full-time job, and being a single parent now as well, it's, it's there's, a, there's a lot. It's a, every second of the day, every day is busy, you know, but um, look, we're managing. I've got plenty of great support around me between friends and family, and every, everyone has been great to me, you know, so okay. we're doing good. Well, you're a mighty man. Uh, well done to you. Listen, and Stephen, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you Thanks, for that. Trisha. God bless. Thank bye you. bye. God bye bless. bye. Uh, the, uh, the lovely Stephen Teep. Uh, it's a hard road that man is on, I tell you. Raising the, and raising those two little boys while his heart is broken at the same time. It, and what he's doing for the other women is is terrific. He really is great. Okay, and, and, and I am conscious and aware that uh, some of those women of the 221 plus and their families uh, could be listening. So please. Um, do go to the website uh, you can uh, check it out it's it's 221 as in the numbers 221 and then the word plus plus uh, dot ie if you want to get more information and the most important part is that uh, is that private forum for the women and for their families where you can talk to other women who are in the same situation or have been in the same situation and there's nothing like walking with somebody who's been there done it and uh, bought the t-shirt this is on the city and going to the city and the car ban on Patrick Street and has it turned people off going or do you prefer it people are saying the city is quieter and they like it that way others are saying no look at the business community and how much they're losing I mean according to Ken O'Flynn he's been speaking with some business owners who during this period of 10 weeks have had some of the worst trades that they've had in 40 years in business that really needs to be uh, looked at Uh, Phil says the city is going to lose a lot of money this Christmas 
with the price of parking especially you can go to Mahon Point you can go to Wilton to Ballancolic and you get free parking we were in Killarney the other day guess what Killarney also offers free parking I always love to go into the city but the car parks and the cost of the car parks simply puts me off says uh, Phil who's enjoying the programme thank you for that and I'm wondering are there others like Phil the cost of parking actually puts people off more than anything at all to do with the parking ban it's the actual cost of uh, parking thank you for that uh, Phil to 0862 103 103 we're going to take a break we are going to talk about stress in the next hour also catch up with calls and comments coming into the programme and I have been asked to say happy birthday to Billy O'Donoghue of Drumaham. he is 90 today happy birthday Billy best wishes to you from all the Walsh family in NAD Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Joe Heffernan will be joining us and we're going to be talking about uh, stress and Magella heard me mention that we're going to be talking about stress with uh, Joe and we all get stressed and we all need to work on our stress levels uh, Joe or Magella says when the body says no is the title of a book I wonder has Joe heard about it I shall ask him no doubt he has Magella says an accumulation of stress can cause so many diseases and the body that says no to that stress and the body says no to the stress by causing disease it's a very serious problem the days uh, says Magella how right you are okay we were talking about parking and parking in the city and the car ban and then that has led to people saying that parking is very expensive in the city and it does put some people off and and somebody was saying that they had been shopping uh, earlier in uh, the uh, uh, some listener felt that the city centre will lose out unless they do something about the high cost of parking because you've got the Mahon points the Wiltons the Balancolics the shopping centres where parking is free and also in Killarney. Somebody says, Patricia, just to point out, it's not free parking in Killarney in the town or in the car parks, as your listener said, but this listener says it is very reasonable when you go to Killarney you don't feel you're being ripped off because Anne says Trish I used to go to the city about once a month I go in there I do a full day's shopping however my last two trips cost me approximately 12 euro and 80 cent for my day's parking I had only gone into the next hour by five minutes and yet got charged the full hourly rate I didn't go anymore. Pennywise, pound foolish I say, of the councils says, uh, and, and that's so frustrating on um, if the parking is expensive as it is, but when you just go slightly over into the next hour and they charge you the full amount. It's one of my bugbears at the moment because I have a very very dear friend who sadly is unwell and has been a patient up in uh, CUH for the last month or so, so I've been going up there a couple of times a week. And every single time I have to pay for the parking, it galls me if I've just gone slightly into the next hour and they charge me the full rate. I think it's 270 an hour to go to park at CUH and, and go visit. And if you literally go, there was one day I went two minutes into the third hour. I was up there for two hours and two minutes. And I got charged for the three hours and I was, I, you know, I was so angry about it. <laughs> and I know you'll say, for God's sake, would you cop on what's 270? It just, I felt I was being ripped off 
I really felt I was being ripped off. And then I get semi-excited if I make it back to the machine and it's one hour and 58 minutes and I've made it back to the machine. I'm going to break my neck one of these days running up the steps uh, and I make it back to the machine and I get it in under the two hours. I feel like it's a win. <laughs> and I know it's only 2.40 or whatever it is, but it's just, I just kind of feel, you, you know, you're going to visit loved ones in hospital and it can be an upsetting and a trying time uh, for people as well. I've seen people at the machine you know upset and you know they, maybe their family member has had bad news and you, you're standing there you almost want to take their ticket from them and say I'll pay for your parking you've enough on your place you know and I know if you're if you're there with somebody very ill you there, there are special passes can you get a reduced rate or something but it just I think that charging for parking in hospitals and listen before people say they have to do it or you'll have everybody parking there for free and abandoning in their cars I do understand why I just think it's a little bit on the expensive side I decide I really do and particularly with our county hospitals losing a lot of its services and everybody has to go to CUH and then if you go to CUH and you're caught in an A&E God knows how much your bill for your for your car would be if you're, you're coming back out to if you've been there for hours upon hours it's just it's just expensive but it's, as I say it's just one of those things that uh, is a, a tad annoying at the moment for me 1850 also coming into us um, still still getting annoyed people about the cost of the tickets for the Cork County Board uh, set for the hurling finals at Porky Creeve at the weekend. 25 euro for adults and uh, 20 euro for juvenile, for old age pensioners and students with juveniles free people. Still very annoyed. We're still waiting for Crow Park to get back to us about where this notion came from that the directive was issued that all of the various counties had to charge a minimum of 20 euro for county finals because it doesn't look like that any such directive was issued by Croke Park so we're trying to get to the bottom of that. Michael and Balancholic is an old age pensioner regularly goes to all of uh, the matches and he thought the charge last week of 25 euro or 20 euro for him was very expensive he said I was in Porky Rin another night and the entrance fee was 10 euro but he got 2 euro off so he got in for 8 euro um, and he thinks the higher prices of 20 and 25 euro scandalous and uh, he said if they expect students and old age pensioners to pay for the new stadium is that what they're doing because if it is it seems very very unfair says Michael and Balancholic who I'm assuming like other people are saying it's putting them off going which would be a real real shame and Nelly in Carrigaline said very frustrated and angry at the Cork County Board uh, coming out yesterday and saying the entrance fee of €25 Euro was a good price and was good value for money considering they were saying there was two two games and the wonderful facilities there at Porky Cueve. At the end of the day, says Nelly and Carrigaline, it's the players that make it good, not the GAA. And Nelly makes an interesting point. You pay your €25 Euro at the gate, you have no way of knowing if it's going to be a good game or if it's going to be an awful game. So how can they say you're getting good value for money? Nobody knows until whatever match or matches are on. Then at the end you decide if it was a cracking good match then maybe it was good value. Maybe you'd say walkways, oh yeah, that was worth it. That was good value for money. Go on a match. What a great game of hurling. What a great game of football. But what if it was an atrocious game of hurling, an atrocious game of football? 
would you walk away? But then how can how can the GAA be expected to set prices based on what we'll charge you depending on how good or bad the matches are? But I, but I accept the point you're making that nobody knows when you head in to watch the match whether whether it's going to be good and therefore you can deem it good value or uh, not. Now we had somebody, Catherine was on, saying she is very, very annoyed that the former guard, the press officer, Superintendent Dave Daly is uh, retiring early for the force. Does this mean, says Christine, that he will get a full pension? If so, that is uh, scandalous. And as we know, Dave Taylor, who had been working in the Garda traffic section since his transfer out of the press office this week, he applied for early, or he applied for, I don't think it's early retirement, he applied for retirement. He lodged the application 24 hours after he was officially informed he was being suspended from the organisation and of course that came in wake of the publication of the Charlton Tribunal report which was highly critical of his actions in relation to the whistleblower Morris McCabe. In last week's damning report Justice Carlton said he had the gravest difficulty in accepting Superintendent Taylor's evidence as at anything approximating the truth. Superintendent Taylor was told that he was being suspended on the grounds that he brought the organisation into disrepute by his actions and that he damaged public confidence in the force. So he made his retirement application yesterday to his chief superintendent who now forwarded on to the assistant uh, commissioner. The application would then be passed on to the Garda Human Resources section at the force headquarters. That's in Phoenix Park. Ultimately, it'll end up in the desk of Commissioner Jew Drew Harris, who makes the final decision on whether to sanction his retirement. But it is expected that it will be approved because Superintendent Taylor has completed the 30 years service necessary to seek retirement. So it will be difficult, the powers that be reckoned, for the Garda authorities to refuse it. But if he does get, and he is allowed to retire, it will mean he will no longer be subject to disciplinary action as he leaves the force and it also protects his pension because while he was suspended from the force, then he would be subject to a disciplinary action. But if he's retired, then that's it. Done and dusted. Draw a line under it. And Catherine's big point is what about the pension? So I did a bit of investigation to see what kind of a pension would uh, Superintendent Dave Taylor be entitled to. If it goes ahead, and looking like it will, he will be entitled to a lump sum. You better turn off the radio because some of these figures might upset some people, by the way. It's a lump sum of 180,000 and he'll get a yearly pension of 60,000 per year. Uh, So I take it, Catherine, that's not the kind of information you were hoping I was going to pass on to you. uh, But uh, that's the way it is. That's what he's entitled to. 180,000 euro of a lump sum. It's a lovely pension, isn't it? 60,000 a year. By way of a pension, I think I'd retire today if I was coming out with a pension like that. Let me go to something more cheerful. I don't normally talk about Christmas until at least after Halloween, but just advance notice of some things I've been asked to mention, and Christmas is in the title. Uh, Firstly, uh, I get an annual letter every year from the wonderful Sister Perpetua, 
of the Mercy Centre in Butterbent, who every year organises a wonderful Christmas party for the senior citizens in the Butterbent uh, area. And she contacts me every year just to let me know the date that it's on and it's important for anyone that wants to go along to what seemingly is a wonderful, wonderful Christmas party in Butterbent. You need to have your names in because obviously they need to get the numbers for the catering and all of that. So she tells me the Christmas party for the Mercy Centre in Butterbent is going to be at the Crossroads, which is now called the Black Rose. And music is also going to be played by a group called Black Rose. They're having the Christmas party on Sunday, the 9th of December, half two in the afternoon. All are very welcome. But if you are planning on going along, you need to have your names in too. Sister Perpetua and the rest of the gang at the Mercy Centre in Botovent by Thursday, December the 6th. But mark it in the diary if it is on your calendar that you go along to that Christmas party. It is Sunday, the 9th of December. And Mags has contacted me to uh, to give a mention to the very popular Ross Garbery Christmas Market. That's been held again this year. That's down for Sunday, November the 18th in the Celtic Ross Hotel between 1 and 6pm. The proceeds from the event are going towards the Union Hall RNLI Mulled Wine Reception and free admission and you're please asked to support. That's Ross Garbery Christmas Market, Sunday, November the 18th. And I always like when those Christmas markets are done in plenty of time because they are great places to go along and get uh, Christmas presents at. If you're looking for nice Christmas presents, it's usually filled with lots of local uh, crafts as well. So good luck uh, to everybody there. And this staying on emails that I received this coming Friday, Kibahini Community uh, Centre, they are featuring sketches from the Junior Drama Group and also a fun comedy comedy fashion show featuring models from the Kilbehany Model Agency. That sounds like a fun night out. That's on this Friday night and on Saturday night there's a monster car drive at Kilbehany Community Centre and on Sunday the 21st there's bingo with many extra prizes. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Okay, a quiz night fundraiser. It's in aid of Surf to Heal in East Cork. A surf camp for children with autism will go on in JJ Coppinger's bar in Middleton tonight. It's 40 euro for a table of four. There will be also a raffle with some great prizes. You can book your table by contacting Teresa at 087 And there is a blood donor clinic in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty this afternoon between 5pm and 8.30. And then again uh, uh, tomorrow Wednesday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 uh, tomorrow night. There will be a coffee morning in the Corporate Court in Ballyhay on this Wednesday. 10am to 12.30pm and it's in aid of Marymount Hospice. While there is a fundraising concert going ahead in the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom on Friday night at 8 with special guests Anna Mae McHugh, the High Hopes Choir, John Cahill, a storyteller and Emma Knott, a flower of McCroom. Lots of local talent and proceeds are going to the wonderful Cork Penny Dinners and the Simon Community. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. I'm still getting in texts and calls to do with uh, parking and city centre parking and be overcharged or feeling you're being overcharged on uh, parking. Colette says, Patricia, I normally set 
up an alarm on my phone to give me enough time to get back to the car rather than to have, rather than having to pay for an additional hour. That's uh, that's a good that's a good tip. Good tip, particularly if you're out shopping, but if you're visiting somebody in a hospital, you don't want to be constantly watching your your watch to see the time. Oh, sorry, I'm watching it for parking. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but certainly for shopping, it's a it's a really great idea. On a much more positive note, says this texture on the multi-story car parks. Uh, our son always recommends visitors to the city to drive to the top floor of all of the car parks. You get excellent views of the city. There's a nice positive spin on parking. Forget about what you're paying for it. At least you're going to get nice uh, views of it. Anne says, I go to the city every day and the fourth floor of Paul Street car park is always empty now am I wondering are you saying by that that it was full before the car ban uh, came in but anyway Anne says this morning she was on Patrick Street she saw four buses and a truck which could not move why? because a taxi was stuck in the yellow box holding up the whole place. It's reasons like this that causes traffic to build up in the city centre. Also says Anne, why don't they organise buses from the county to travel into the city centre like they do when they organise buses to go to Dublin? It would be a great way to bring business into the city centre. Uh, By the way, there is free parking in Paul Street from 10 in the morning to midday and it's there until mid-November and will it be gone then in time for Christmas I'm, I'm assuming by that uh, comment uh, thank you for that and Frank in Bandham this is on CUH and my bugbear at the moment I'm paying so much into CUH and they're parking uh, Frank says CUH and its car park were built with taxpayers' money. CUH has been funded by the government, so where does all the money from the car parking charges go to? Frank thinks the car parking money should be deducted from the government grants so that the money can go to a hospital that needs uh, go to a hospital that needs the uh, money uh, more. I've no idea. I look into that. I've no idea what the CUH money. I don't think it's been. I don't think the car park is organised by a private company. So I'm assuming it does go back into the hospital, and if it does, then it goes towards the running of the hospital. I suppose is what uh, CUH will uh, tell us. If you're going to a funeral in Kerry, you need to be careful about speed vans near graveyards. This really is a story on the front page of the Irish Independent today. And the story says that the Gardaí and Kerry are going to be asked not to park speed vans outside of graveyards, particularly on the morning of funerals. And would they do it, please, out of a sense of respect for the deceased and indeed for the bereaved of the deceased? It seems go-safe speed detection vans have been in operation outside a number of graveyards in uh, Kerry and they were actually pulling people for speeding. In one case, a speed detection van was parked a half an hour before a funeral was due to take place. Kerry County Council heard about the issues from a number of different uh, councillors. They have 160 cemeteries in total across County Kerry. One Fianna Fáil councillor by the name of John Francis Flynn. He said vans were regularly parked on the road outside a graveyard near Kerry Hospital. He said he witnessed it himself and that he had received complaints, um, complaints from members of the public. He said one morning the van parked 30 minutes before the burial of a woman in Kilnanar graveyard. He said the family actually went over to the van operators and said would you mind moving off? You know our mother has been buried here and it's kind of off-putting to see a speed van parked right, you know, very close to 
the graveyard. Now, I don't know whether the speed van moved off or not. The councillor said it's very intimidating for loved ones to know somebody is sitting in a van right outside the graveyard out of respect for the public and for the deceased. They're now ask, going to ask the speed vans to move away from these areas. Situation it seems also happening in Bally Hyde graveyard which is north of Tralee. It's also happening outside Fossa Church, that's on the N72 between Killarney and Kilorgan, where vans, wait for this, sometimes take up four car park spaces outside the church. And if you get a big funeral in Kerry, you know, a lot of people, it's like us here in Cork, we, I always say we do bereavement and grieving very well, and we certainly turn up in huge numbers to removals and to funerals. And if you've got a van parked that's taken up four spaces when those spaces are badly needed. Anyway, the matter got raised, as I say, at a meeting of Cork County Council and the council have now decided that they're going to bring the matter up with the Gardaí through the Joint Policing Committee and they're actually going to ask the Gardaí not to spark to park speed vans outside the graveyard. I'll follow the story with interest. It's Anne Lucy writing it in The Independent. I imagine Anne will do a follow-up on it because... It'll be. I'll be interested to see what comes back from the Joint Policing Committee because I don't know the Go Safe speed detection vans. I don't know if it is the local Gardaí that decide where they're going to be parked. I don't know where who has the remit for that as to where they're parked and how long they stay in, in a certain area. Because I take it the guys and gals, I mean, are there females driving those vans as well? They, you know, get up in the morning and are told this is where you're to park. You go there from... from eight to ten in the morning and then move on and we want you to park between ten and twelve somewhere else and then you go somewhere else you know I mean I'm, I'm assuming that's how it's done I, 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 I take it it's not the people driving the go safe speed vans that just decide we'll, we'll, we'll park here and if it's if they're parking regularly outside graveyards it's, it's obviously a spot where there's either a lot of speeding going on are, certainly they've been told but it, it it does seem a bit disrespectful I, I, I think, I, I think I'm, I'm with the Kerry councillors and the Kerry people on this one I don't know have I ever been at a funeral here in Cork where a speed van is parked outside but I, I can sense the, the insensitivity uh, of it. 1850 so if you're going to a funeral in Kerry just be careful anyway my message to you today. I'm off to Bohabwee where we're joined by Joe Heffernan. Good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon uh, And you're very welcome and we're going to talk about stress today but before we do a listener in Bantry sent in a text earlier on saying that when people get de- get depressed it can sometimes be a very difficult thing to explain to your GP. Would you have any advice when somebody is feeling down are our GPs trained to pick up on uh, uh, on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, a, a very ordinary terminology that we all use would be, I'm a bit down recently. Um, you know, the classic signs then would be, I'm waking very early in the morning and I can't get back to sleep. Um, uh, I, um, I'm i not eating very well. Um, uh, things that I used to enjoy, I'm just not doing them. I had a favourite hobby, haven't done it in an age. Um, And the minute a doctor or anyone in my own line of work would hear uh, those kind of sentiments, um, the depression word would immediately come into one's mind. Now, what I do in my own practice then, in that case, is I use um, uh, a depression inventory, uh, which is quite scientific and specific, and, um, I mean, it's not just a, 
a handy questionnaire thing. I mean, for example, to stand up in a court of law if a person had the the following symptoms as it were. And um, that then will indicate pretty accurately um, whether a person is suffering from uh, mild, moderate or severe stress and, uh, and can act accordingly. And um, I mean, if the score came out quite high, I would always be recommending to a person who came um, to go as soon as possible and to have a chat with the GP because, um, you know, very often, I, I can say this from experience, very often the combination of an antidepressant and talk therapy, that's the kind of thing that goes on here, um, uh, is is a very, very good approach. I mean, some people are all medication theory and no talk therapy. Other people are all talk therapy and no medication. Kind of um, uh, Those kind of arguments arise. Personally, what I have found very often is that the combination of both works very well. Yeah, now, so, some so people don't need medication, um, and we'd have to remember the two types of depression, like the reactive, if one has had a bereavement, um, if person has lost a job, uh, something like that. Well, that would be much more a talk therapy kind of thing, because um, that's simply a life event that one is reacting to. The other one then is where the neurotransmitters and hormones and that um, in the nervous system um, are uh, are being affected and that's where medication would come in. Yeah, and for for that distance from, from West Cork, you know, it's saying, oh, it's a very difficult thing to explain uh, to your GP. Uh, you, the GP, because they've dealt with so many other people, sadly, they'll pick up on it. It's Because sometimes somebody will go in and speak to a GP not even realising that they're suffering from depression. But when they start to talk to the GP the GP will then pick up on it. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say without doubt. Um, and uh, if one looks up, for example, the AWARE um, uh, website, you know, the typical symptoms of depression are listed there. Um, we often spoke about the acronym uh, FESTIVAL, um, where the different um, symptoms and aspects of depression would be a quick little list and um, uh, that would be, it's, it's a good idea before going to the GP to jot down a few things because very often uh, we come away from the GP having uh, forgotten one of the main things that we intended to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the end of that text from the listener in West Cork is, um, are the, the doctors and all of the other health board uh, uh, professionals under oath to keep a client's problem private? Obviously, he doesn't want, he's suffering, or he knows that somebody's suffering from depression and doesn't want anybody else to know. A doctor will never reveal that oh, to anybody. Oh, no, absolutely. No, no. Confidentiality is top of the list. Yeah. Absolutely, in the medical and in our profession. Okay. Now, there are exceptions to that. If a person made it clear that they intended self-harm or harm to another, well then, one, you know, in in all reasonable thinking, um, won't you say, okay, I'm keeping that to myself now? Um, you know, I mean, if a person 
in 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 our profession, um, if a person makes it clear that they are um, seriously at risk. Now, I don't mean thought about suicide, but wouldn't do it. I mean people who might be thinking actually about it, and maybe even uh, have a plan as to how they intend to carry that out. Well, then. I would ask their permission and hopefully get it, but um, con- I would contact the GP and say, um, I, I, I think this person is at risk. Yeah, there's a bit of a crisis going on here. Yeah. Okay, we're moving on to uh, stress, which of course can, if if allowed, can actually lead to uh, to depression. And Majella was on earlier wondering, has Joe heard about a book called When the Body Says No? It's a book about stress. Have you heard about that? I, I haven't. Um, I haven't. But I will, I'll be looking okay. at it okay. this afternoon, you can be sure. Okay. But and I she's, understand she's, the title. Yeah, because uh, she's talking... you people saying now and again, wouldn't you? Listen to your body. Yeah. And she's talking about an accumulation of stress yeah. that can go on and cause disease. Yes. And, and make you very unwell. Yes, indeed. Okay. So we are taking a look at um, uh, stress Talk to me about the, the, the effects uh, stress has on one's life. Well, it, it, stress can affect a person, um, we'll say, emotionally, mentally and physically. And it can affect how you behave. I mean, a person might withdraw. They might, um, they might not be wanting to see or meet anyone. Um, the more I research it, uh, the more I kind of see where there's a great correlation with the symptoms and the symptoms of depression and uh, as we all know then i mean depression and anxiety in a way are two sides of the same coin so that a lot of the symptoms that apply to one would apply to the other as well but like for example i mean the kind of things uh, that can stress us uh, for students we'll say college exams um for people who are at work problems at work um relationship problems um where 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 a partnership where a couple uh, are not getting on um there are other kind of things like um things that might sound very good like a promotion but new responsibilities can cause anxiety um moving house um moving to a new place they say <coughs> they say next to divorce, the most stressful time in your life is moving house. Yes, yeah. So you know, then you could have a traumatic event, maybe the death of a loved one, maybe um, uh, uh, a road traffic accident. Um, uh, you know, Mary recently broke her wrist. Uh, you know that caused a lot of stress. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do the other thing. Um, uh, a, a, a thing like that. So illness or any kind of a disability um, w- would call it. Now, cause it. Um, if a person wasn't getting on at work, I kind of mentioned that before, but I'll specifically say if a person felt that they were being bullied, say, at work, uh, there'd be an awful lot of stress Huge on that. Huge amount of stress. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then how, how does it manifest when, when somebody's getting stressed? Is, is, is you're anxious? Is you, you feeling down? What is it? Well, you notice the changes. A big one for me now, for example, if I'm stressed, is um, w- one of my signs that I'm stressed for me is um, uh, lightheadedness. Um, 
I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it um, dizziness, but um, uh, that would be one of the things with me. There would be fear. Uh, there might be guilt attached to it. Um, there could, of course, be anger. Um, uh, I, I think when we're stressed that we tend to be um, just a bit irritable, maybe a bit cranky, a bit um, a bit impatient. If someone is telling us something, you're kind of feeling, come on, get to the bottom line. We're snappy. Kind of yeah. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Um there would all be symptoms of it. But, of course, um, there are also the the effects on the body. I mean, the nervous system, um, uh, neurotransmitters, uh, specific hormones um, that speed up the heart rate. Um, uh, A person can be breathing shallower and quicker. Um, Blood pressure can rise. Um, So that, like... The physical changes, uh, our physical changes can take place as well. And the old amygdala in the brain, uh, which is there to protect us and to uh, always is trying to help, but it can kick in uh, maybe a bit prematurely or maybe a bit inappropriately. And we have the kind of um, uh, uh, flight or fight kind of thing. And then we're into the area. Do you see how it's all connected in a way? Yeah, yeah. We're into the panic attack area, you know. Yeah. Because a small, I mean, we can't go through life without having no stress. I mean, that just wouldn't happen. No. And um, I think it comes from the Greek word EU, well, in English, should sound EU, EU stress, EU stress, which is uh, the Greek EU is good. So, good stress. And then you have a word we're all quite familiar with, on the other hand, distress. So, there's, um, uh, as we've often said uh, in our talks down through the years, Patricia, um, you know, a certain amount of stress is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, we mightn't bother getting out of bed. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure that in your job, I don't know how you do it, um, that you have to keep uh, up to date with everything that's going on nationally, uh, especially, um, and uh, you know, uh, n- news-wise, all of that. And you always seem to be very on the ball with something has happened. You, 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 you know about it. Now, I mean, there's a certain stress in that. I got to, I, I've, I've got to be um, up to date with what's going on. Um, whereas uh, in other jobs then, well, what's going on doesn't really matter. What I've got to do today is I've got to make those three telephone calls. I've got to write up that report. And, you know, um, uh, I I suppose we call those kind of things um, manageable stress. Now, it's when they get unmanageable Mm. that to quote that lady's book, The Body Says... No, no, yeah, I always, I think one of the most stress, uh, the places where you witness a huge amount of stress is in airport. Um, yeah. People going on holidays, families going on holidays. Yeah. And you'll see pockets of people, oh, happy, happy, we're on holidays. And you look around and you'll see people stressed out of their heads, trying to get children to be at the right gate at the yeah. right time. And where's daddy gone? And where's this one gone? And I've lost... Uh, 
and it, it almost becomes a pressure cooker of stress, particularly if a flight has been delayed or, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you sometimes wonder a holiday is a good thing or a bad thing. But that's the kind of stress we all seem to bring on to ourselves. I think by not turning up at an airport on time, I think, can add to well, it, Well, no, example. that's a biggie. That's a real biggie. Um, younger people now seem to find, uh, they, 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 you know, uh, my own lads now, like, they, they'd say, an hour is plenty kind of thing. For me, I'm two hours. So am maybe I. Maybe two and so a half. So am I. So am I. Yeah. yeah. And for that reason, I like to be relaxed at the airport. Yeah. I don't like the rushing from A to B where you're legging it to the gate. What gate? They've changed the gate. Now, but the other. I just can't be doing with it. Can't be doing with yeah. it. Yeah. And especially the old security thing. I yeah. mean, I remember one time in Edinburgh, um, just inadvertently leaving a bottle of water in the in the carry-on uh, bag. And, um, ah, shit, you know. Uh, Whose bag is ah, this? I held up the whole yeah. lot. That was just on the walk-through. Yeah. And um, then the bag was put aside and I had to stand aside. And, do you know... Um, and, and you straight away feel guilty? Exactly. <laughs> and the very same day, like, we were asking, after asking one or two people, would they mind if we skipped along the queue because we were at risk of missing the Bruman oh, flight home? God. So, And that probably was half the reason yeah. for forgetting about it. Yeah. But it is stressful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Or you it walk is. through the gadgets and it turns out that you had a couple of euro left in your pocket <laughs> that you didn't think of. Oh, no, and off goes the beeper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there are things like that you can try and do to, to make life uh, a little bit easier by, you know, giving yourself enough time. Yeah, and having your own little checklist in your head or on a paper that you kind of say, OK, I've that done, I've that done, I've that done, I'm OK. And, uh, and as you say yourself, like, giving yourself enough time to do that. I mean, if you're literally running up the steps and running into the security area and all that... Um, you know, you're you're causing yourself quite a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, it, it is it is to work on it. And then the actual physical feeling, as you say, headaches, headaches. I get that tightness in my shoulders. I know I'm stressed. Yeah, yeah. I I often say to people the term uptight didn't fall out of the sky. Yeah. I mean, if you check your shoulders. And if they're kind of in great proximity to your ears, <laughs> you're uptight. Yeah. And I'd often say, you know, take a breath and on the out breath, let the shoulders just sink down. Um, I think shoulders are something we should be aware of. We should have a think now and again, where are my shoulders? And, and if they're all scrunched up, up towards the ears, um, you know, to just take a breath and on the out breath, let the shoulders come down and you'll find that if you can relax your body, your mind will follow. Um, I sound like a stuck record with that, but like there's no good in saying to yourself, be calm, be calm. In fact, I think that gets us up tight. Yeah, it gets you worse. It, ma- yeah. it makes you worse. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was driving during the summer in a sort of a really bad one of these cloud bursts, you know, and it was made driving really, really tri- tricky. And I was on roads that I didn't know. Mm. And I, I, I suddenly looked down at my knuckles and they were white. And yeah. I realised, oh my God, I have the steering wheel gripped so tightly. Yeah. And then I realised, where are my shoulders? Oh, they're stuck to my ears. Yeah. And I just had to relax and yeah. just, you know, whoa. But it was just a, a, a stressful a couple of minutes and, and we got through it. Okay, we will continue with this conversation again next week. In the meantime, Joe, have a lovely week. We will indeed. We will indeed. And be, Thank st- you. be stress-free. 
Hopefully. Thanks. And um, we might even mention next week the fact that I'm sure you've it covered, I didn't hear it, about, um, you know, the fact that some people now are being charged to go and view a house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we I mean, were, it's stress all over yeah, the place yeah. for young people. We did an I really yesterday. feel sorry for young people. Yeah. Okay, talk to you next yeah. week. Thanks for that. Yeah. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boherbui. His number is 029 That's what I've got to give you up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon, and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning for the midweek edition of the programme at uh, 10 o'clock. And, of course, tomorrow, Wednesday, Peter Dowdell will answer all of your gardening questions. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Talk today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.